again. I am Bishop Jeff Clements of the Northern Illinois Synod, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. It's a joy to welcome you and to welcome our special guest today, Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, the presiding bishop of the ELCA. Welcome. Thank it's great you. to see you. Good to see you, Bishop. Just to tell you a little bit about Bishop Eaton, she was elected to be our presiding bishop in 2013. You were re-elected in 2019. I was there for both of those uh, assemblies, and prior to that, you were bishop so of So it's the, your fault. Well, no, I didn't vote. Oh, I didn't okay. have a vote. I was there. <laughs> okay. I didn't have a vote at either one of those right. assemblies. Prior to being elected presiding bishop, you were the bishop of the Northeastern Ohio Synod. That's right. Um, just to talk a little bit about your pedigree, you have an MDiv from Harvard Divinity School, and uh, you were ordained in 1981. Yes, and they tested me. I'm really Lutheran. <laughs> I'm sure. They I'm really sure we made me, sure so, of that. Yes. Um, you served three congregations mm -hmm. as a parish pastor, and uh, you and your husband Conrad Selnick, who is a retired Episcopal priest, That's right? I have two adult daughters and at least one grandchild That's that I right, know of. That's right, a son-in-law and our grandson, Jonah. Oh, wonderful. So welcome. Thank We're you. glad to have you here in northern Illinois this morning. So how are you? Haven't seen you for a while. I know. We haven't been face-to-face. -face. And I think that's an issue also for the whole Conference of Bishops. There's probably like almost half of us are new in the last two years and we've never seen each other in 3D. So right. it's great to be There's here. There's so many bishops you. I just have not met face-to-face. -face. Right. I've met on a screen, but not face-to-face. Yeah. -face. It's really hard to establish those kind of relationships, working it's relationships. incredibly difficult. And now we're in this next surge of Omicron and who knows what letter from the Greek alphabet will come next. But anyways, it's great. I'm glad to be here. I was glad to get out and be in the outdoors even in the car, to get here. So I'm was, fine. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I was in the car for a total of five hours yesterday, and it was just like escaping from prison. It is. It was, was really nice. And I should mention that we uh, we are fully vaccinated. We're both boosted. Boosted. And we've just taken our masks off. Yeah. So here, uh, here are some questions that I thought would be interesting to uh, ponder with you today. Okay. And uh, uh, these past two years... These past two years have been difficult. They've been difficult for us in daily life, and they've been difficult for us in the church. And we have uh, experienced a tremendous amount of grief and anxiety. And yet we know that God continues to work among us, always offering us life and joy. So what has brought you joy lately in your uh, life and in your calling as our presiding bishop? At least you didn't ask me the self-care question, which is <laughs> my least favorite it's no it's you're right it's it's been amazing we were pretty sure that at the beginning of the pandemic that if some of our smaller congregations went three sundays without in-person worship they'd close that did not happen right. we were sure that we would take a real hit in mission support people continue to be faithful and generous and then um just to see you know i could still call some congregations in the before time and get their answering machine which might at this time of the year still have the Easter services listed, which is not good. People made the transition uh, to online worship within, within weeks, which was just amazing to me. So the resilience, the creativity uh, that, that folks have, um, how faithful people have been, that brings a lot of joy. Yeah, if you'll recall, you were supposed to be with the Synod for I our International Resourcing yes. Event. On March 14th, if I have my dates right, March 14th of 2020, we'd close the office on the 13th. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's when we all worked uh, remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just, it, it, 
we had a lot of congregations who took a Sunday off, but many were up and running with a, a worship service online on the 15th. Mm -hmm. And it was just incredible, that kind of pivoting. Yeah, just amazing. So people think that we are not tech savvy, but we worked it out. And if you think about it, you know, Luther made ample use of the technology of his day with the printing press, which made a huge impact. So we were able to do this. I was just, I was so proud and so um, excited for our people. And we know, um, not just anecdotally, but from research, that, that people who would never, ever set foot into a physical building are, are hearing the, the gospel online. And people, and attendance is great. I mean, I, I, I got to go to church with my kids in Portland from my dining room table. Uh, so we, that's, that's been happening. But we know that this gospel now is reaching people who never, ever would have come to church. That's, God, God is good. Yeah, and then there are church geeks like me that will mm -hmm. tune into more than one service on a Sunday. But I get to hear my son preach in, in Iowa. He serves a parish there. Well, and, that's pretty good. Yeah, and then I get to check in with the, the congregation I'm a member of, which brings me to another point. Uh, sometimes they think that the bishop and the staff and the presiding bishop are very far removed from life in the parish, you know, because we're not serving parish uh, as parish pastors. Mm -hmm. That's not true, is it? Well, we all have to be members of a ELCA congregation, yeah. or we're off the we're off the roster. <laughs> well, in the before time when I could travel, I would have a chance to be in a lot of different churches. But I'm still, and I'm sure this is breaking every rule. Um, I'm still a member. The last parish I served, but I'm like the perfect member. I'm never there, <laughs> and, and and I still pledge. What else has brought you joy, besides the fact that we've been able to pivot into a kind of a new world? Well, joy as opposed to happiness. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah, we could explore that and what joy means mm -hmm. to you because it's a word that uh, we don't use all that often and yet um, joy is something that I have found in my life. Usually it's always related to God somehow, mm -hmm. at least for me. Well, beside my grandson, who brings me a lot of joy, and my yeah. dear husband, shout out to, to Conrad uh, for that. No, I think... Um, I think that I've learned, or it's been reinforced for me, and probably for a lot of people, that um, this relentless pursuit of happiness in our culture is really kind of empty, and it, it doesn't sustain one during the um, in, a, in a pandemic, not only the the COVID pandemic, but all the other ills that that face our church and face the country. But true joy, um, I remember when I when I was a, a brand new pastor. And it was the first youth gathering I went to. It was at Purdue University, and all of us fit into the auditorium at Purdue. There was mm -hmm. like, and we thought that was amazing, 6,000 Lutheran kids together. But um, uh, Catherine uh, Kobe, uh, who had been a hostage in Iran, she talked about true joy. Even in death, she said, that there's joy. Because, as you said, the promise of this intimate and infinite love that we know um, in, in Jesus so that's, I mean, that's, I'm sounding pretty churchy right now, but that, that keeps me going. You know, just as an aside, Catherine was a member of the congregation I was a part of in uh, the really? Washington, D.C. area. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She's my hero, and I got to meet her about, hmm, well, I was in person, so it must have been before 2020. Uh, but um, at a, we had a, had a gathering for, um, for women um, philanthropists, you'll say women philanthropists, and we, you know, we invited her to come. She's a very generous person. And uh, I just said, you're my hero. And she said, I've always wanted to meet you. I was like, oh. <laughs> How <laughs> really? nice. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah, she was still a hostage. I remember going home oh. 
uh, during seminary and mm -hmm. I'm getting to preach in my home congregation. And uh, she was still being held hostage at that point. Yeah. Just amazing. So, I, you know, I, we've talked, we're talking about the future of the church. Mm -hmm. And it seems like we can't predict what's going to happen next week. Right. <laughs> um, but you have said that the church, the future of the church relies on our ability to continue to build community based on what we share in common. Mm -hmm. um, I think everyone knows that it's been an emphasis now to make the ELCA uh, more diverse and a younger uh, church. Uh, that's part of the future. How do you see the future? Or what, do you, what are your hopes and dreams for the future of the ELCA? I'll talk about hopes and dreams. But my husband always says, do you know how to make God laugh? Tell God your plans. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, our, but our future depends and is completely based on, on, on the Word of God as we understand it. In, in, in Scripture, the Word of God incarnate in Jesus, the Word that is um, made clear to us by the Spirit, that's, that's our future. Um, that's, our, that's our present. That's everything. So there's no, you know, I'm, I'm not saying people should slack off, but there's no clever program that's somehow going to magically, um, uh, in, in um, I don't know, encourage people to come and hear this message. So the mes that has to be everything. And um, I, I know, you know, as a parish pastor for 25 years, and you know, every Sunday morning it was a report card: how many people were in church, what did the offering take a look at. And you <laughs> yeah. went through that, and I said, you know, you know, count everybody. If they're in the nursery, count them. There. If someone's two months pregnant, you know, add them up with somebody else, and we'll just get those kids um, going. But um, you can go to Starbucks for that kind of community if you want it. And you know, sorry to the Swedes or any of the rest of us, but you know, better coffee in some ways, a lot more expensive, but. Um, but if people can sniff this out, and I think that that's why we've seen people tuning in to church because it's it's you can't do any gimmicky thing on that, and, and we don't have a lot of us don't have the capabilities of that. But if they're hearing this genuine mis message that we are beloved by God, mm -hmm. and that as um, Bishop Kurt Cusrow uh, said once in a sermon, um, literally. Uh, God loved us so much that He'd rather die than lose a single one of us, and that when we, we you know, we, we we say the words of the creed, Kurt also said, "Listen, it's clear Jesus went to hell and back for all of us," and if that's if that's genuinely what we we believe and also how we live, but we have to say it too. I just the, the idea that somehow. Um, you know, they, they see us and by our example, they'll want to know what our, you know, how, why our lives are this wonderful. No, that hasn't worked. You got to actually say the name. But if people know that and see that, and also the wonderful Lutheran message uh, when, when, when Luther wrote his, his treatise on the freedom of a Christian, that we are now set free. We don't have to worry about earning our way into heaven or earning our way into God's grace. It's a gift. So now that we've got all that time, what do we do? We're free to serve the neighbor mm -hmm. and not seeing the neighbors like, ah, mm -hmm. how many brownie points can I get for serving Jeff? No, it's just this, this wonderful freedom. Yeah. And people who aren't Lutheran or born Lutheran, they are astounded by this message. And I think we, we, we cover that up sometimes. Yeah, you know, I'm sometimes surprised at that because that whole concept of grace is mm -hmm. in, internalized in, in me. Mm -hmm. I'm born and raised Lutheran. That's what I've heard week after week, decade after mm -hmm. decade. Um, but grace still comes only three as a, decades or so. <laughs> yeah. but, but grace still comes as a great surprise to a lot of people. I think it comes as a great surprise to a lot of Lutherans. I mean, if we're honest, we talk about grace, we're the least likely to accept it. So if someone else is sick, you know, 
I don't know if you call them covered dishes or hot dishes or potluck Potlucks here. Potlucks here. Pot, we're potluck in Ohio, too. We'll, we'll, we'll be storming their houses. But if we're sick, oh, no, I don't need any help. I think we don't, it's like, it's, it's the one thing that's too good to be true, but it is true. But other folks, um, so one of our bishops, um, uh, Bishop Suarez, down in the Florida Bahamas Synod, was raised um, in the Roman Catholic tradition back in uh, Venezuela. And he said, we were in a conversation last week, that when he started to read and learn and actually attend the Lutheran Church, he felt free. Hmm. That's, that's very moving. Sure is. Mm-hmm. The polity of the ELCA is different from other denominations. Um, do you want to discuss how we engage each other in deliberation and how the structure of the church is designed? And also, tell us how that, the, what the role of social statements is in our life together. Well, interestingly enough, um, our social statements are the envy of a lot of other denominations, not only in the states, but around the world. Mm-hmm. Member, member churches of the Lutheran World Federation, which was stunning for me because we usually just argue about them or don't read them. <laughs> um, but yeah, we put, we put this church together from a combination of folks from the ALC, the LCA, the AELC, which had a bunch of different polities. And we have uh, titles like bishop, but we don't have the same authority um, that, say, Methodist bishops do. They can say to someone, you're moving to another parish, and that's the end of that discussion. Um, Or Catholic bishops, or even Episcopal bishops in some cases, but people just seem to think that, and they want the bishop to have that authority when they want the bishop to do something that they want to do, but if we do other things, then they don't want to have right. that authority. So it's, we're, we're this odd sort of hybrid of um, uh, being a congregational. The congregation um, has a lot of autonomy in our system, um, which I think is a blessing as well sometimes as being um, a, a difficulty. But we have to, we voluntarily, hopefully with um, uh, willing, um, uh, being willing to do this, that we're going to be, literally in communion with one another. But um, I can't, uh, with people really, it's kind of funny because someone's mad at their pastor or their bishop. I haven't gotten any letters on you yet so far. They'll send me a letter saying I need to come in and intervene. I can't. That's not how we are constitutionally. But we have this understanding based on baptism that we are, uh, though many, are one, and individually we're members one of another. That's St. Paul. I didn't make that up. Um, so congregations have autonomy. Um, the, the synod does not, um, is not the employer of, the, of pastors or deacons. Likewise, um, neither is churchwide. Um, syn- uh, congregations are, um, they all have their 501c3 uh, status, uh, either in the state where they're resident or other places, depending on how it got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's that. Uh, but amazingly, our people still hang together. So um, we've seen this during the pandemic that people... Um, we, we did a, an appeal. Uh, I, I came up with the, the, the amazingly creative title, the COVID-19 appeal. Uh, <laughs> and we said to you know, folks, we had done a bunch of phone calls, some of us at the, the churchwide office, to see how, uh, you know, with bishops, how are your congregations faring? And, and bishops said over and over again, we're worried about our church camps. We're worried about campus ministry. We're worried about um, the hunger programs that, that our churches have. We're worried about churches being able to come up with the technology to do this. And so we said, okay, well, we'll try. Maybe we might, if we're lucky, we're pleased, you know, receive $500,000. And then after that, we'll start distributing it other places around the church. No, it's over $2 million that we all sent in 
And then we sent his grants to bishops, sort of like a block grant, yeah. because you know better what ministries need to be supported. And, and so we do care for each other. We, 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 we do see that we're, um, we're connected one to another. And then um, I like to say, even though uh, sometimes it's tenuous, but we're church together. And so I, as well as the rest of the church, depend on you and the people of the Northern Illinois Synod to take care and make sure that the gospel has free course in this part of the church. And so you trust us to do that in other places. So these social statements, um, they come from uh, synods in, uh, synod, um, their synod assemblies or others saying, this is a social issue that I really would like the church to take a look at and give some guidance as to how we, we can um, navigate through some of these really difficult issues. We have a social statement on sustainable livelihood for all. We've got, we've got one on abortion. We've got one on criminal justice. We've got one as maybe the most notorious on human sexuality. Um, we've got one on care for creation, which I'm going to tell you this right now. We had long before Pope Francis put that out, Laudato <laughs> Si. And I'm, you know, Chicago is a very Roman Catholic town. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, so they ca- the, the Tribune called me up and said, well, why are Lutherans so in- interested in creation care now? I said, no, 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 no. No, we've been at this since 1993. But we're glad that the Pope then makes us, uh, it, it gives a, a greater voice and, 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 and um, uh, prominence to the rest of the culture. And I like to say, you know, it's not the boutique um, uh, um, cause of the few, but it's a faith concern for us to care for creation. So we have these social statements. So someone, you know, that comes to church-wide uh, assembly and people say, yeah, we want to have a social statement. What, right now we're working on um, one about how do we engage in the public, public square and right. public sphere. That was um, uh, asked for at the last church-wide assembly in 2019. And then uh, we take a look around the church uh, which were blessed with unbelievably gifted people, um, lay people, as well as uh, pastors and deacons, theologians, um, people who have um, practical expertise for the one on genetics, for example. We, did, we had um, scientists. They were Lutheran scientists. <laughs> we had scientists to help to work on this. And then taking a look at, at Scripture, taking a look at the confessions, um, paying attention. We, we do believe that science is a gift from God mm-hmm. and that the knowledge is something that God has given us. I like the Episcopalians. They say, you know, a mind is a, Jesus came to take away our sins, not our brains. So it usually takes at least three years of preparation while they're writing this. And then the whole church has a chance to weigh in. Um, and uh, we get thousands and thousands of responses by email or by public hearings and then, uh, you know, revisions are made, and that's finally brought to a church-wide assembly where it can also be further refined. And then the church and assembly uh, votes whether or not to say, yes, this is something that will be, provide helpful guidance for the rest of the church. Now, we're very clear it's not dogma. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not what this is, but I find it an incredibly helpful guide. And uh, you, in your office, I and in, in mine uh, as presiding bishop, I can't make a statement on something about which we do not have some sort of social teaching based on scripture and the confessions. Right. So I just don't sit up, well, none of us sit up on the 11th floor anymore of COVID. <laughs> I just sit there in my room and think, well, you know, what, what, what can I make up now and make people crazy or <laughs> angry or happy or whatever? It has to be based on those things. So there are some things I don't speak about because we don't, we don't have a teaching on that. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. I, I'm always disappointed when a congregation seems surprised at a churchwide assembly decision because the opportunity has been there to help shape and form uh -huh. uh, through discussion any of the social statements that, uh, that we have. Uh -huh. I also know how useful they have been um, in my first call when I was just a young pastor. Uh -huh. um, Abortion was a hot issue oh, at yeah. the time, and uh, there was a, a statement uh -huh. available. And so we took a look at that, and uh, there were aha moments amongst those who yeah. were participating with me. That, oh, this is what the church says, and this is why. So it's uh -huh. been, those have been very helpful. One of the first things I did um, when I was elected bishop was review all of the social statements Good to make you. sure that I knew what they, what they were. I don't know that I've read every single page of the Constitution of the ELCA, but uh, I I can quote portions of that for you too if you but, want. No, that's okay. <laughs> I always I always knew um, um, as a synod bishop that a congregation was in some kind of conflict when they could quote their Constitution. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, no one pays attention. Oh, right. to it. It's like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> True. Yeah, and also I think that people, I think some folks are surprised. Um, so abortion, which is a, a, a deeply, um, you know, visceral um, issue for many, many people, we, we don't say yes, absolutely in all cases, neither do we say no, it may never happen. So we have this balance, this, um, this Lutheran, you know, um, that some people call it wishy-washy or not, but it's, it's either, it, it could be both and instead of either or. Right. And so when you have a, an issue as, 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 as deeply controversial and also personal and, and important as um, the many addressed by the social statement, um, it, it's not just you, thou shalt. You know, God gets to say that. We, we don't. If someone were to ask me why I'm Lutheran, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be just because I was born and raised Lutheran. It's because as I've studied other theologies, uh, I just haven't found anything better. Um, not that we're perfect, but I, I, I think that um, for me, our Lutheran theology and its expression through uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is, is simply the right place for me to be. Mm -hmm. We have an important voice uh, and an important way that we um, declare how God has shown up as God and as God for us in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So as we move into the future, um, how can the people of Northern Illinois be of, of support to you uh, personally and uh, continue to be of good support to the whole church? Continue being faithful, um, depend completely upon God, uh, and I'd say get out your small catechisms and start studying those again. I'm, I'm concerned about how Lutheran we are. <clears throat> and, 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 and being Lutheran has nothing to do with, with culture or cuisine, but it is this theology, and I, I've seen it erode um, on the right and on the left and in the middle. So I, I encourage people to get out your small catechisms. I mean, Luther said he read it every day. He wrote it, for heaven's sake. <laughs> right. uh, but it's, it, it is, uh, it, it, it's this treasure. It's a clear exposition of how we understand God showing up as God in the world and in our lives. And it, it, it is, we do have a distinct way of understanding how God chooses to be God in, in the world and then what that means for us. And then, you know, live it, live mm -hmm. it. And, and, you know, get really bold, invite someone to church online if they're a little leery about that now, especially with the pandemic. But I mean, I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan, which that's hard. Once again, the Browns. 
<laughs> went down. And I'm pretty sure St. Paul wrote that uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. That was for us in Cleveland. Anyways, I can talk about sports all the time or about a movie or about a book or about a recipe. We need to find a way in the cultural vernacular, this is something that, that Luther was very clear about, to talk to people about this about this love that God shows to us over and over again in Jesus and that Jesus loves everybody, everyone, and that makes a difference in our lives. So uh, that's, that. if we could learn to talk to other people about, about Jesus, that would be something. It would. Especially if we could do it out loud, <laughs> not just think about it. The mission statement of the Northern Illinois Synod is walking together, uh -huh. loving Christ, loving all, for the sake of the world. I like it. Yeah, we we worked real hard on that, mm -hmm. and uh, I like it too, because um, what you're talking about in terms of um, the mission of the church is that we do things for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about what my job of a uh, bishop is, it's not just helping congregations do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's still a part of uh, making those connections, making sure that relationships that people have with Christ are strong yes. and mature. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the same for the presiding bishop of the church. It's the same for every pastor. We care about that relationship, and we want to build relationships uh, with Jesus. And like any relationship, um, it takes tending and it takes work. Not that God takes any time off, but I've, I've stopped praying to ask, will God please be present? But more like, God, will you open me up so I can experience your presence that's already there so yeah yeah and i want to remind you too um that we pray for you regularly oh, you. so many of our parishes pray um for you and me by name every single sunday and i can't tell you maybe you do understand how much that means oh, to you yeah. and uh and your ministry so i want to thank you thank you for the work that you do on our behalf thank you for your time today mm -hmm. Uh, it's a great joy always to be uh, with you. We can, none of us can do this by ourselves. None. Nope. And until next time, we're walking with you.